get hindered. So let me encourage you, like the author says here, let's uh, do the little things well again, uh, if you would. Now, we begin, we read from Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, Revelation 3 and 7. He said, write to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, thus says the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will close, and closes and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have placed before you an open door that no man can close, because you have but little power, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now, we are again in the sixth uh, uh, letter or of the six of the seven churches, okay, and this particular one, uh, the Philadelphia Church, uh, is one of the churches that receives extra special. Uh, I call it gratitude for what they have uh, reached out and held into. Now, uh, the sixth message in the church there, at Philadelphia, uh, talking about brotherly love. Now, it's even a hard thing sometimes for us to uh, say, I love you. Well, he's saying even more than that in this, and that is the church at Philadelphia was more of a serving church, and they were serving out of their love for the people. The writer reminds us that it is the youngest of the seven cities in Revelation 2 and 3. Now, again... Go look at your map sometime. Uh, you can do it now if you want to in the back of your Bible. There should be a map, and it should show, should show uh, these seven churches. The only other church that we'll look at in this series of the seven churches at Asia Minor will be the church at Laodicea, and we know that that church was a lukewarm church. But here we find that these folks... Uh, have been faithful. Look at some of the titles that the Lord identifies Himself with. He talks about the Holy One, the True One, the One who has the key of David and who opens and no one will close, and the One who closes and no one will open. So when we see Him describing Himself, it's, it's almost seemingly repetitious, but by and far it's not repetitious at all. We see him alluding to some of uh, his ministry with that. Look how he says it there, the Holy One. Uh, you see that in, uh, in a capitalized form there uh, in your notes, uh, and uh, you see these other titles as well. Now, he talks about an open door to us. Well, we can really relate to doors, can't we? So years ago, when I didn't sleep well, I trying to go to sleep, there was a night or two I would just uh, shut my eyes and I would count the doors at the church here. And I know uh, if you've ever tried to do that, you could get in some serious trouble. But I think there were like 28 doors to the outside of the building that if any one of those doors was left unlocked that people could access uh, this building. Now you consider 28 of those uh, doors. However, Jesus is not describing a literal door. He's describing a spiritual door. And with that, uh, he uh, alludes to their works. Uh, first of all, 
and he talks about how uh, that door uh, opens and no man closes and how that door closes and no one opens. So we know that God is the one who is absolutely in control. Now, it amazes me, but let's, let's sort of tickle our nerves a little bit. Sometimes uh, we get around in small groups and we talk about the way things are. And if we're not careful, we allude back to the way things were. And we miss the opportunity sometimes to see the, the way the Lord is at work in our midst because we're so dwelling on the, the bad things or, or maybe uh, how we're, we, we're to solve those issues. Notice in the margin on the right-hand side, he said, The door was open before the believers in Philadelphia. The door of salvation, the door that gained them entrance into eternity, was wide open. It was not uh, to the church because of any great ability or strength they had. Uh, if we could look at it, it was all because of grace. You know, grace is something that we none deserve, but God gives it to us. Undeserved uh, grace, and because of that, this is referring to that door. Jesus noted that the church had little power. Power, not the issue. Faith and trust were, and that's the way the church, or that's what the church in Philadelphia had. How many of you can uh, absolutely say, you don't have to verbalize it, but how many of you can look at your own life or experience and see that the Lord had opened some doors? You might have worried about something, but He opened the door before you ever, uh, before you ever responded. Can you imagine how maybe he provided a job in his time? How he's provided other opportunities? And in your life, you see that as just an open door. He doesn't push us through a door, does he? But he guides us through the door. And the church at Philadelphia was one of these churches that had a positive uh, action and a positive reaction in every way. On page 56, let's look at a couple of things here. He talked about they had kept his word. They remained true to what they had learned and received. They had not allowed any distractions. If you remember the church last week, uh, the, the Sardis church, uh, the writer introduced that particular lesson by talking about distractions. And I remember some of the things we said easily distracts us. One of them was politics, and you know, another one was, uh, was media, whether it be uh, television or radio or etc. But now notice, this church, Philadelphia, is one that has kept His Word. They have stayed focused. Folks, it is extremely important that we stay focused in our lives in these days, is it not? If we're not careful... Uh, we as a church, collectively even, it's extremely important that we don't get uh, focused on what I call the minors rather than the things that are major. And we, this, we determine here because of the church at Philadelphia that the little things matter uh, most, do they not? They not only had kept His word, but they had not denied the name of Jesus, no matter what trials or persecution they face, the believers refuse to dishonor or deny the name of the one who saved them. 
Look at the hand there with the uh, object in it. You know what that object is, do you not? What does it look like? It's a compass. Yes. You know, uh, when we see that, uh, use very little anymore. I, I don't know where you could go to the store and buy one at unless it would be a sporting goods store. But uh, use for direction. But now it's all got uh, uh, minimized to a GPS. And man, we just punch it in and here we go. There is a compass on some of our cars or trucks still. You know, you're going northwest at a certain angle. But anyway, I think the compass there is reminding us of keeping uh, on the right route, going in the right direction. Just there, what I observed from that. Not only did he talk about the church uh, in Philadelphia with the door being wide open and the world couldn't close it, neither could the world open it. And he said, I placed before you that open door. You've kept my word and you've not denied my name. He says now in verse 9, note this. I will make those from the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews and are not, but are lying. I will make them come and bow down at your feet. And they will know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to endure. I also will keep you from the hour of testing that is going to come on the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Now, again, uh, some of his notes, if you'll notice, uh, under the scripture there, talks about remembering when teachers told us to pay attention. Uh, notice, in the days that I went to school, the, the, there was lots of windows in the classroom. Maybe not when you went, but they were when I went. Uh, but now if you see some of the more modern learning facilities, uh, they hardly have any windows in them. What do you reckon, uh, what, why do you reckon they might not do that? They may have no windows. What's that? Don't want you to be distracted. Now we know also it's for uh, conditioning purposes. Don't let the sunlight in, etc., but I, I've always thought it was for distractions. And the reason I came to that conclusion was that I had a tendency to stare out the windows rather than listen to the teacher. And then when it came test time, she didn't have any of those questions on there that dealt with me not being focused. But uh, here the, the Lord is uh, reminding them there about who He is and some of the things there that could be distracting them or charting them off course. Yes, uh, those uh, uh, times in our lives when we would not pay our closest attention cost us greatly. Now, he mentions a group here that uh, of the synagogue of Satan. And, and then he also mentions a group that claimed to be Jews uh, but they were living a lie. And he says during the earthly ministry of Jesus there, uh, told, of a group that if, told of a group of Jews that if they were Abraham's offspring, they would do what Abraham did. Now to a Jew, when you start talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their, their ears go high. Why? Because again, the, the patriarchs and they could tell you much history. And uh, they, they uh, stood uh, on firm ground with those things. 
but we also know that the Lord Jesus is talking here about a group who claimed to be, but were not, and they were lying. And he said, I'll make them come and bow down there at your feet. Now the Jews in Philadelphia rejected the truth of Christ and therefore were not true Jews. You remember Jesus, uh, I think it is, is it in, in James' epistle where it says that the, uh, the Lord had given, excuse me, the law to be the schoolmaster that would bring people to Christ? And therefore the Jewish people of all people should have recognized because they knew the law. They knew uh, their, the readings of the Old Testament. But he said, you are just claiming to be. You are not true. Why? Because you don't receive Jesus. Now, whatever oppositions these false Jews threw at them, the believers prevailed. They endured. They finished well. No matter how hard it was or had been, what obstacles were thrown in front of them, they remained strong. Folks, what a challenge for us to live by today. You know, the, the church is still being persecuted. Uh, you, you were in the first service. You remember Clint in his prayer uh, talked about the 125 kids in Nigeria uh, who, who were kidnapped uh, in the last uh, 7 to 10 days. And, uh, hey, the persecuted church is still alive and functioning. However, it's not a pleasant experience. Uh, you, you, if you keep up with uh, any, any forms of these Messianic Jews, they'll remind us what persecution is. But the Lord said, He said, I am on your side. And He says now, I'll make them come and bow at your feet, and they will know that I have loved you. So these oppositions that these claiming Jews or uh, Jews there that uh, uh, were claiming to be Jews, he says, he said, I'll stand with you. And no matter how hard it had been, no matter what obstacles were thrown, they stayed strong. What a challenge. As a result of their faithfulness, Jesus promised them protection that only he could bring. When I read that statement, I thought about, I think it is Psalm 120, is it not? Where he said, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amazing uh, how that we sometimes uh, uh, can, can lose that focus on who is greatest or what is greatest as well. Jesus said, I will be your protection. When the hour of testing comes, uh, those who are alive on the earth, he says, I will be there. And he goes into a little bit of uh, information here about while many scholars see this as a reference to a time of great tribulation, they also debate the meaning of keep you from, when he's talking about keep you from that persecution or that tribulation. Many believe that Christ will remove his followers from the time of tribulation. We can talk about there, uh, about the rapture. Others believe this means he will, he will protect his children from experiencing the wrath that comes through the time of tribulation. The main thing, though, is that Jesus keeps them. Uh, we know, or I, I, I believe, and I think you believe alongside of us, that 
the church will not go through the tribulation. You know, yes, the trump of God will sound, the dead in Christ will rise first, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with the, to be with the Lord in the air. You know, some of you have got loved ones there. I have. I've got a mom and a dad and many, many people there. So uh, some believe, though, the church will go through the tribulation. I say this, the church may go through some tribulation, but it's not going to be the tribulation mentioned in Revelation chapter 4 through about Revelation chapter 20. Why? Because He's going to call us out. Aren't you glad? But there will be many go through the tribulation. But the saints uh, who are alive when Jesus comes again, none of those saints will. However, to know exactly what this statement is, I don't know that we do emphatically know. Maybe it was just He will keep them in times of personal tribulation as well. Uh, the Lord is still our protector through everything, is He not? I am so glad that God uh, does not allow us to get what we deserve, but He gives us His grace and His mercy as we continue through life faithfully. So, with that in mind, all, I, I just try to always remember that Jesus said He had tribulation, and so would we because of that. But when you think about the tribulation, which is a specific period of seven years divided into months, uh, what we see there is that is what is called the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, and that'll be a, a time in which the Jews are greatly, greatly persecuted in the end. He, he alludes there when it says a trust fall is an exercise in which a blindfolded person leans backward until he falls, but he's fallen backward into the arms of those who are going to catch him now. Uh, you can maybe get a picture of that and how that those people who catch you are becoming uh, a picture there of how he, he guards our lives as well. If we are followers at Christ, if we as followers of Christ remain true to His Word, we have no need to worry about the future. How many of you catch yourself worrying about the future a little bit? I do. I'll go ahead and tell you the truth. And you know why? It's, I think it's largely because, although He writes to us, it, it, ta it takes a strong faith to, to embrace uh, the realities of what he tells us. I said something last week in my preaching. I think it was the second service. I don't always say the same things in the first one and the second one. There's a little difference there. But anyway, I had a fellow call me late Sunday evening. It might have been in the evening, Sunday night, early evening. And he said, you said something today that I don't really know I believe. And I said, well, what was it? He said that you uh, alluded to the fact that... Uh, where the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith, uh, that faith can grow. He said, I don't believe that. I said, why? He said, I believe faith is faith. Well, faith is faith, isn't it? But how many times do I know that what the Lord has done in my life is strengthened my faith or even gave me a little more faith for the hour? Now, if you don't believe that, get you a call about 10 o'clock at night and Somebody says, come over, and I have one of those calls this week, and I stayed till midnight, and 
About 20 minutes later, the man edged on out into eternity. Hey, you know, that family had to have their faith increase. Now, when we look at these letters to the seven churches, what we can find is they endured the hardship. They endured the hardship of the Romans when they would come in and, and uh, bring great persecution. So I'm saying all of that not to say that uh, I don't like being questioned. I just think that, you know, Jesus giving these words to the church at Philadelphia, I think that that encouraged them as well, and they would be stronger people throughout it. As we read the Bible, I, I know that happens in our lives. Notice Revelation 3 and 11 on page 58. I am coming soon. Now, again, we're reading from the Holman Christian Standard. I uh, should have had my Bible up here and opened it, but he says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to that what you have so that no one takes your crown. The one who conquers, I will make a pillar in the temple of God, and he will never go out again. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven for my God and my name, my new name. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, in, in the closing of each of the letters, there are lots of similarities, but there are also quite a bit of differences as well. And now uh, he has given us uh, a good deal of info about difficulties and tribulations, but now the greatest word of encouragement to all of them and us would be that Jesus said, I'm coming soon. You remember that Paul wrote that, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, and he wrote that because there were many people who had loved ones who had died and went to be with the Lord, and uh, because of that, they just didn't have an understanding of 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 the reality that death wasn't final. Now, I, I say that again. The coming of Christ again is one of the greatest uh, assurances we could have in our faith. Now, that's an event that's never happened. We have nobody that can write about what they saw or what they experienced there when Jesus came. Why? Because it's a promise He made in Acts chapter 1, Matthew chapter 28, and now again he assures us in the letter here of the uh, church there at Philadelphia. He said, hold on to that which you have, and no one takes your crown. Now, how many of you know 1 Peter 1, 5 says, we're kept by the power of God unto salvation, ready to be offered at the last day? I'm not saved because I hold on to Him. Now, I'm not disagreeing with what the writer says or what the Word says. We know that He keeps us. Amen? See, uh, the letter tells us there that we're kept by the power of God. And when we find Him giving us those assurances, uh, He says uh, also uh, no man uh, can take us out of His grip. So now he's reminding them that nobody's going to take your crown. You Philadelphians, you have labored faithfully. You are finishing well. No one takes your crown. 
The one who conquers, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God and never go out again. Talks about the new Jerusalem, the holy city. These Philadelphian believers uh, find this as uh, comfort as well as challenge, I'm sure. No matter what we face, no matter how uncertain the days are ahead for us, we can be assured that Jesus is coming and when He comes, His people will be ultimately delivered from everything, trials, persecutions. I think it's Revelation chapter 20. I really like that passage because it's telling us what uh, there's some, a bunch of no mores. No more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. So, so that is what we all have to look forward to. You know, you may have 20 doctor's appointments next month, but hey, praise the Lord, they won't even have those in heaven. Wonderful to know. We could, we could try to uh, tie this together with the end time events that we know are ahead, which is the rapture, then the judgment seat of Christ, and at the end there's going to be uh, the, the great white throne judgment mentioned in Revelation 21. But the letter is being written specifically to the Christians uh, there in Philadelphia. But it is not only written to them specifically, it is written there as a circulatory letter. It's for all of us. And you know, we're not to just pick out and choose portions of that that, that we uh, want to hold on to. All of God's Word is applicable and useful for us in life. On page 59, the last part there, it says, and it's a quote by A.W. Pink, it says, Faithful people have always been in a marked minority. A.W. Pink. I remember when I was in Bible college uh, being introduced to Arthur Pink, and he's an old writer, written books like the book on Genesis. He's got one uh, uh, large book there. Something is aggravating me, folks. If y'all ask me what it is, it must be a gnat. But anyway, A.W. Pink, that was one of his quotes uh, out of one of his writings. Anybody have a thought here? Yes. Mr. Benny says, will we know people as in certain relations like mom, dad, etc.? You know, I have a tendency to believe that we will recognize, but but on the other hand, we won't be in those same we won't be in those same relationships. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we'll know. Do I think that we will dwell on that? There's got to be a line between this, this is the real dilemma. How we'll know those who are there, but we won't worry about those who aren't. And, and therefore, that creates a, a lot of questions. But the Lord said, He will wipe all tears from our eyes. So there might be an early recollection of people who didn't make it, but He takes care of that quickly, instantaneously. 
Go back to the life of Jesus. You remember in his glorified way after the cross, uh, when he was resurrected or when he was raised after the third day, there were times the disciples knew him. There were times they did not recognize him. Remember, in his glorified state, he could walk through a closed door. So there's definitely a lot of supernatural concerning our resurrected state. But I, I do conclude, like she was describing, uh, that there will, be, there will be a recognition of, of one another. But now he does say that we'll not know as we're known in the sense of marriage, etc., etc. Because you remember they asked the question one day, well, now, hey, who's, whose wife is she going to be? You know, she'd been married seven times. But, and he, 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 I think, answered that question, that we wouldn't know one another in that way. Any other thoughts? Mount of Transfiguration. That's right. Elijah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You remember that's when that's when the disciples, uh, the, that innermost circle of disciples who were privileged to witness that, they, uh, they wanted to build tabernacles for each of those characters. And they had never saw those guys in life. So, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Matter of fact, as you, uh, as you continue to read and continue to study, uh, I find that the answer to one question sometimes will yield me to have two more questions. So uh, we're, ever, we're ever searching for truth. But I think you're on the, on the right ground there. Anything else? Okay, thank you. Get you some water, and uh, we'll be back in here in a few minutes, okay?